Hello and welcome back once again to Spotlight, the podcasting journey through the world of the Star Trek movies from us three non-Trekkies. I'm Matt Brothers and I'm joined as always by my crewmates, Paul Wilson. Hello. And Liam Dempsey. Hello. And our special guest today is uh, another film reviewer and blogger. Uh, she is a woman. She watches film. She is a woman watches film. Eleanor, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> it's going well. We've... Um, We've, we've left the world of Kirk and Spock behind. We, we, we went through all of those movies. We went into Picard and Data and that crew, so it's time to go back to Kirk and Spock. Yeah, Picard, yeah, Data and the also Rams. And the also, yes. Weisman, <laughs> <laughs> the main guy. Uh, so today we are doing Star Trek, the 2009 reboot of the franchise, directed by J.J. Abrams, um, which was originally going to come out in 2008, wasn't it? Was yes, the original trailer set. December 2008, yeah. Yeah. Only got pushed back. Um... Eleanor, do you want to tell us a bit about uh, why you're here? You are a film reviewer on Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. Well, uh, you don't know of this Instagram, do you, man? Yes, tell us of these fabled fictional words. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, Instagram is... Uh, <laughs> well, it's Instagram. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't yeah. quite know. You don't need to explain it. Only Matt doesn't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, there's no helping you if you just don't know what Instagram it's a mythical is. mythical concept. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I have a uh, film review account called Woman Watches Film on... On Instagram, uh, where I watch a film and I tell you about it in, in Instagram. Amazing. What uh, what inspired that to come into fruition? Was it just a case of wanting to put your thoughts out in a? In well, a... yeah. I mean, it was. I I like watching films, and I'm very opinionated, and I just <laughs> felt the world must know what I think. And you're giving it's your, my duty. Your ODM promo card, a good workout. Exactly. Yeah, like, now I get to review all the new releases. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Instagram seems like a great place for that as well. Quite a succinct, like, a picture per review. And it's all... Because it's, it's all done in the captions of the first Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of... I noticed a lot of film review um, Instagram accounts are actually just more like an advert for, like, their blog elsewhere on the net. So they'll yeah. have a picture of the film, but then just a link mm. yeah. to their... You want to do the clickbait yeah, thing. Yeah, and I was just <laughs> like, no, I don't want to faff about with that. Like, I just the goods uh, right here. Yeah, just uh, make it easier. You don't have to go anywhere else. And you've got a limited amount of space to write the reviews. Yeah, right? yeah, which is a curse and a blessing because sometimes it's kind of like uh, it means you have to be quite succinct. So sometimes that that means it's good because it, it gives you limits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't ramble on for ages about what may yeah. be like about something or maybe you don't yeah. like about something but at the same time sometimes when you really want to like ramble rants. yeah exactly so has ever been a two picture film where you're like I literally can't let this one go <laughs> <laughs> no I haven't I've had to like and it usually happens with the films that I really don't like that I'm just there is not enough words in the world uh -huh. to describe all my problems with this film well I think we've discovered that on this podcast haven't we that when there's a film that we didn't like as much uh, as we discovered last month. <laughs> uh, you know, it's very easy to kind of talk about a lot about all the things you hated. <laughs> okay, well, we'll throw out details of that at the end, okay, obviously. Yeah. Um, I've follow it because um, I'm actually on Instagram Matt unlike these like you <laughs> uh, and uh, it's it's great yeah no I love your reviews and it's great to get that female perspective as we've seriously needed on this yeah, show yeah I know it's it been a been... bit of a sausage party yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's been too <laughs> we're sorry guilty <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like, oh I see getting Greg Lock on twice before <laughs> 
so to prove we're not all misogynists, <laughs> we have great. a female guest this month, and we actually have another one joining us next month, but more about yeah. that later. And this is a great film for you to be on, is it? Because as you're going to say in the second Star Trek Credentials, quite a newbie like me coming in. This was your first way in. Oh, yeah, I'm a complete non-Trekkie. Like, you've never seen any Trek at all before you saw this film? <laughs> the most I'd ever seen was um, <laughs> little snippets of, like, because I remember my uh, dad watching Star Trek The Next Generation on, like, uh, when it was on BBC, BBC. Two, with, I, I'd like 645 yeah. or something, and I would walk into the room, see what was on the TV, and walk straight out again, because it just... <laughs> And it's not. Oh, Simpsons is over. Yeah, I was. I was just yeah. like, no Simpsons, no Buffy. I'm out of here. Like, um, so it was one of those, and I. It's one of those things where, like, I don't think it was necessarily like Star Trek's fault, as it were. Like, I just had a real um, aversion to sci-fi in general. Um, so you were the one, the problem, not Star Trek. Yeah, I, yeah, I admit that. I do admit that. Like, I did have a, a you know, sci-fi prejudice, as it were, and I think it was to do with, uh, like, I think just like the. Um, just the environment that sci-fi tends to be set in. Space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But on the, the these like futuristic like spaceships always looked really clinical and sterile and just. And they certainly did on this show. Yeah, yeah and, I, and it just really yeah. put me off. I was just like, "There's no this isn't real. I can't romance to this. <laughs> yeah. Like fantasy was always my genre. That really like Buffy mm. was my TV show. And I think this is interesting because at the same kind of time we were sort of uh, hanging out back then. You know, there was a few. Like with our sort of darlings, like Star Wars, that kind of thing, we really tried to kind of get you to watch. Oh, I just, which is, yeah, and it was, it was, you know, it was <laughs> pulling teeth for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but you know, so that was more of a fantasy kind of lived in world, but even that yeah. was just, I just don't get that uh, yeah. at that point. And um, so one of the, the key moments in our kind of cinema going was when um, at the Odeon they did sometimes older films during yes. the seasons in the summer for like the big student population of Bournemouth. And for a pound, you could see Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Goonies. But one year, they did Aliens. And we're very excited about Aliens, me and Matt. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> particularly Matt, it's one of your favourite films. One of my favourites of all time, yeah. And um, I believe we the way we got to there was we, we made this very heavy wager that we'd actually pay your pound if you didn't like it. Um, <laughs> it was so, a risk. So me and Matt took 50p like, on <laughs> your pocket money. <laughs> yeah, we our pocket money. And said, you know, we said, come along, you really will enjoy it. I mean, it's quite a lot to ask. It's 11 o'clock at night start, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, yeah, so it's a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Uh, it will be done quite late. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But yeah, it paid off because you really enjoyed it. I loved and you it. Up. I yeah no I loved it like I was because um, I'd seen Alien and was like oh I think this is massively overrated don't really get this um, and then saw Alien and then yeah you were like well if you don't like it we'll pay for your ticket and you can't really argue I think with we, that. You say also like you know that somebody has a problem with Alien is necessarily the same kind of film at all. So no, definitely it's very different. different movie, yeah. So. And um, so that worked. It and I, did. And I, maybe it's my memory playing tricks on me, but we tried the same gambit with Star Trek. I mean, the thing is, Star Trek had awesome trailers. Not just the teaser, yeah. but, yes. the, the, but the theatrical trailer, award-winning trailers. Um, award-winning trailers? Yes, yeah, they actually have awards for trailers. I and, didn't know that. Yeah, wow. so, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that. I mean, rightfully so, because I love the art of the trailer. Torpedoes. Emergency evacuation. Yeah. So yeah, we had that. I'm sure. Was that? Do you recall the trailers at all? I mean, you know that when I mentioned them, but had that kind of 
got you slightly excited about seeing? Yeah, from what I can remember, the the trailers were something that yeah made me more interested than I would have naturally have been oh, at that yeah. point. Yeah, so I do think they had a part to play. They, and then yeah. I, well, this is the thing I was going not knowing if it was still going to be as good as it was going to be. Um, mm. But um, yeah, so I feel like the trailers like definitely put us in the good mood. But I don't yes. know if we had to. Well, it's a lot more money to put it is, life. It is. You know, a, a ticket back then would be <laughs> maybe seven pounds. <laughs> uh, you know, so opening night. Yeah, it's a bit more gamble, but I can't remember if we did that again. But you I can't. My memories are appalling. But yeah, I, I. Um, let's just say there's coercion. Let's just it, say there was, because there usually it, was with yeah, sci-fi yeah, and you two. <laughs> had to be. I mean, because I remember I was at this screening as well. I, I do remember it was a real gamble to see if Eleanor would actually. Uh, enjoy uh, the film or not? I think maybe maybe Zachary Quinto was a selling point for you. I think he was. I had a bit of a crush on him from Heroes, Heroes. like. Uh, um, okay. But then, yeah, him as Spock isn't quite as sexy. The, the pointy ears aren't a fetish for you. <laughs> it's the hair. It's the haircut. Oh, he's thing. got a the, we- the, the fringe. Oh, you would have hated the Romulans then. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they all went skinhead in this because the Romulans, like traditionally in Next Gen, would have this bowl cut. Oh, really? <laughs> and so, but they, they, they had them all shaved this time and had big tats, so they like So they look a lot space. more yeah. hardcore. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Straight from the first scene, they look a bit more threatening so than they've ever done. Well, they're yeah. a more rebellion faction, aren't they, I suppose? So yeah. you can kind of. Yeah, he's uh, like, I do not speak for the Empire. Yeah, well, they're blue yeah. collar kind of workers. I mean, that built, that ship they're on is like. It's a mining, mining ship, thing. isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Incredible yeah. design, by the way, that kind of all splintered ship all pointing in the same direction. Like, it's you can't quite working out well it, it looks, looks like a sea creature out, yeah it, it looks yeah. great coming out of the the black hole okay so we've kind of introduced our guest here and you know this film in general being a sort of reboot of the franchise that we've been exploring for our last 10 episodes um usually at this point we turn to you matt yeah. to kind of get yeah. your first impressions um but we've Eleanor being even more a Czech novice than yourself, should we turn yeah, to her first? Let's do it. Of what your initial initial thoughts? I think I know where you're going to go to begin with, which is the opening, because that sells Good any doubters. Yeah. Yes, because that's say... what I remember from our screening. By the end of that opening kind of prologue, just being like, you're like ah! yeah. I mean. Um... The first note I've actually got on here are lens flares are sexy and cool and make everything look as epic as fuck. You're a fan of lens flares. I think that really sold me. A lens lot of people are very critical of JJ's uh, Well, lens I think he does overuse it, mm. like in this film, like to like a ridiculous degree. Like there's lens flare in places that yeah. it doesn't make sense for it. Like they're in a broom cupboard and there's lens flare. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't make sense well, sometimes. Of the <laughs> yeah. That's why the duck used to by shade <laughs> <laughs> but in space it works doesn't it because if there is you imagine the blackness of space yeah, and the light yeah. from like a yeah. star or something yeah. or lights from other ships that's where it looks it looks most natural in these Star Trek films mm. because JJ does use it in all his films but it looks most natural in these yeah, no, I and I just really um, that first scene with um, yeah Chris Hemsworth as um, is it George Kirk is mm. that what he's yes. called yeah yeah, um, yeah like uh, I think, yeah, they set that up really well. Like that, that first initial kind of really emotional scene. They really mm-hmm. sell that, and instantly you're kind of 
in. Um, though it did make me wonder, like, about uh, James Kirk's, like, mum. Why is this heavily pregnant woman on this yeah, spaceship? Yeah, probably should have brought her along, like, really. Is she an officer? Or well, is she an yeah, officer I don't, Do you know anything about this, Paul? Um, I I don't know the full backstory about that, but I, you know there's a there's a thing in Trek where they bring their families along, and so you know they've been yeah. on these missions for years. They do say they're at the edge of space uh, or charted space, and they something like that. They know there's no help for us out here. You do get this sense they are very isolated, mm. which adds right. to the kind of danger of space exploration. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I feel this is the thing. I really felt the danger of the of this. Yeah. I guess yeah. not just the overpowered, overgunned, but just the fact there's nobody to help them at all, mm. and, yeah. they're, and they're on their own. I guess they had no idea they were going to run into the ship. Obviously. No. Yeah. No. It is a complete. Well, they are kind of in, in communication with Starfleet at the beginning because they are sending off the, the you know, scans and he said, oh, that, you know, they don't make sense, that's why I sent it. But no and one can get to them out there. No, like, no. Too I mean, because we must remember the original Star Trek series, they always used to say it was a five-year mission, didn't they? Yeah. So if you think if this is similar and they're all... You could essentially easily come on board as, like, a crew member, get pregnant, get... Yes. Like, all in yes, five years, you, you know what I mean? That. Yes, so you, definitely. You, if you're in And also, later on, when you see that scene where young Kirk is, like, doing that deeply irresponsible driving of a car, <laughs> like... Um, the, the guy, uh, you assume, is, like, I don't know, his stepfather or something? It's, he says, just because your mum's off-planet, yeah, which yeah. suggests that she, she has some kind of yeah, 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 job yeah. that involves going off-planet. That, that would make sense. You're, you're totally right about the opening. It's such an incredible way to kick it off. And JJ obviously knows, like, to get people new people as on board alike, you have to make people care straight away. Yes. And he's so good at doing that because there's so many little hooks everywhere. So from the ship being uh, facing off with Nero's ship, and, and you get to see that size difference, that massive mm. wide. You really mm. get a sense of scale of space in this film. Mm. And then just adding everything on. So yeah, you've got the emotional stakes straight away with the captain going off ship and putting him in charge. That's when there's that cool reveal that he's he's a Kirk, you know, and then with the baby coming, and then the autopilot breaking, like everything stacks up. And then by the time, like within like four minutes, by the time he's heartfully, you know, saying goodbye to his wife while he hears a baby crying and he flies in and blows up, you're just like, yeah, well, I'm in. Like, I had no idea who, who these people were and now I care. I care. A lot. Yeah. He's just <laughs> absolutely straight in, it's isn't it? Breathless. Because we're in the middle of a big space battle straight away. Uh, we, we kind of, it's almost like JJ wants to make a point of oh, this is not going to be your slow and ponderous track. This is not going to be the motion. This is gonna be the mo- isn't going to be the motion picture mm. or anything like that. And um, funny enough, just so we should mention, uh, obviously Chris Hemsworth plays Kirk's father mm. in the opening of this. And last month we were talking about seeing Tom Hardy before he was Tom Hardy. Here we get Chris Hemsworth yeah. before he was Chris Hemsworth yeah. or before he was the Mighty Four. Mm. Uh, <laughs> at least, I think. But this is he, uh, but home away Chris huge, Hemsworth. But he makes a huge impact. Like, yeah, in, in like they scene. really sell that emotion that sacrifice like he's suddenly been made captain and his first act will be to sacrifice oh, himself right, for right, everyone right. it's like what yeah. Pike says later you know your dad was captive for 12 minutes and you say to all these people yeah like, do better yeah like they do better is the greatest like uh, stay alive. incentive yeah completely do uh, you can totally see why he became a big star off the back of yes, this like, yes for me like um, the opening um, straight away from the the music um, yeah really I love that new theme. Yeah, the new theme's excellent straight mm-hmm. away. But then you hear 
um, some some very kind of traditional Star Trek sounds, like um, it, it, as the ship's going over in space, which I love. But this, it just you know the sound design for this film is the Star Wars sound designer Glenn mm-hmm. Burt. So he created R two D two, all the you know lasers for Star Wars. So they brought him on to do Star Trek, and he's um, recreating some of the original '60s sounds from scratch. Uh, but also just the, his layering is like second to none in terms of like making this uh, a brilliant soundscape. Um, so I think you know the combination of that already. I'm kind of this is new, but it also has a touch of the yes. old about it, which I yes. quite like. It's making me feel very at home. And then you got the the shot of the view screen where they kind of solarize it, which I thought was nice. You know, so you get this uh, feeling of. Um, it, the technology, you know, is, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's the view screen. It's like the t- touchstone for Star Trek, but then it launches straight into the action. I feel like there's a more enough there for traditional Trek fans to go, yeah, this is not changing from what I love about it. It's all there, um, but doing something very, very new. The height I have to put here, like the, the hijacked view screen. So when they look up and the guys, uh, sort of the Romulan saying, "You come, up, come aboard," and uh, this is why I tape with my webcam. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, first in many favourite shots, that shot where Nero's ship fires all those missiles and it rotates with it as it comes to hit the, the, the Kelvin, isn't it? Yeah. It's just straight away. Because he does such a great job of kind of realising that space is three-dimensional all throughout this movie. There's moments when, you know, it pulls out of the bridge and they're upside down. and yes. it's, They do that yes. quite a lot. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's no... There's no up or right down in space. It's all just happening. And yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the first things you notice about this film are definitely the special effects, and it's despite so the fact that there is obviously an abundance of CGI, I think considering it's 2009, it really stands up. Mm. I think it's yes. pretty gorgeous. The only bit I thought uh, looked a bit raggedy now is like the bit when he's on the Arctic planet yeah, and running away from that. Like, oh, it's like a wolf thing. Yeah, I, 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 it, it's just slightly like but the rest of the film absolutely fine yeah, I like the, the the drill thing falling into San Francisco Bay like mm. that is just photorealistic yeah 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 could yeah. yeah. be a model fantastic. or something you know yeah. and i think those monsters on planet hoth <laughs> like uh, are um really well designed i think they're really really scary well i like, think like, like the, the big spidery it, yeah thing. i mean like, that oh. bit i thought was done fine i think like i, I think it is literally there's a moment where he's uh, you know when he and gets out and he, he's like what is that and then he, he realizes it's this massive <laughs> horrible thing galloping at him I the exact and same. as he's running yeah and i think it's it's looking at him and it's out of focus behind him and and yeah I think it's that bit slightly with the with the effects I had the exact same note except the part for me that stood out was when Spock turns up and shoes it away with the light because then when the torchlight shines on it it looks a bit plasticky as it's back away I I, I thought they were fine in the snow running around it's just that bit where there was it's a bit harder to sell that fair realism when you're mixing natural like, and yeah, yeah. yeah, that was, sure, that's yeah. the only bit yeah, of this yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah. and CG in general doesn't stand up as no, well as that no, no, so no. yeah they've done a very good job there yeah I think um, it's nice to see some aliens in Star Trek that weren't people in suits um, because yeah. it's the thing they've never done that before I think yeah. JJ's hang up is like Star Trek is always just like you know they're basically two legs two arms but you know there's just some guy in some suit I think the fact they could do some proper you know really scary mm. animals would have been because mm. yeah. they, they really throw away some part there's like one shot I think during this opening of an alien on the bridge yeah. which is just a full CG alien guy and he's only there for like a shot oh he's got like a massive head yeah. 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 and yeah. that's great because it sells that these people are just there but you don't have to focus on them but to have what is obviously a big effect work 
were yeah, taking another story like a shot. aliens yeah. <laughs> but I mean this is the thing I've been saying about all these Czech movies especially the maybe the Picard ones like going into them when they start I've always felt like we're coming in on the TV thing and it doesn't quite feel like it's own movie like this straight from the off is like this is a cinematic sci-fi mm. yeah tour de force I think it's and a bigger production well it's definitely. four years or so isn't it since uh, like the thing before production starts after you know so this is a big gap in Trek Enterprise oh, yeah. it's the first time nothing's being made for since the 70s well Nemesis was released 2002 wasn't yeah. it and this released 2009 so like you yeah, know, yeah. So I think you know they were planning it they, they kind of revived the old Academy scripts like you know the yes. idea of like doing um, sort of the young for, you know young years of um, Kirk and Spock which goes all the way back to like 1989 mm. to 1990 so. I've got to say I found this really funny because we've mentioned so many times in this podcast the frequently abandoned Starfleet Academy script that was kind of you know started up uh, almost used about three times before this and you think, okay, this is obviously, they're finally they're going back. They're going to do Starfleet Academy at last. And then as soon as Kirk actually gets on the ship to go to Starfleet Academy, three years later, and, like, <laughs> and suddenly, and immediately, they get put into a situation where suddenly all of their roles are escalated really high, really quickly. So basically, we don't see Starfleet Academy. That script could still happen because we still haven't seen yeah. those three years of Starfleet Academy <laughs> where they were actually training and learning and getting to know each other and fucking up and stuff before yeah. we get to this. I think in terms of this being like an origin story, it does right to kind of skip it in a way because that's yeah. not the, the focus. But I really love what they do with slowly pushing everyone up into the roles that they're known for because it's done in different ways for everyone oh like, your job progression is so fucking good yeah because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. uh, there's Ahura taking over from the guy who can't speak um, Romulan there's <laughs> McCoy taking over from the doctor who died during the attack uh, yeah. Sula replaces the pilot who's off ill on Longworm well, also the engineer gets killed in the space jump so Scotty's like yeah like it's everyone, a vacancy everyone has a nice little way of getting in and then they kind of play with who's captain up and down Kirk like straight from cadet to captain but it makes sense in the way it's done in the film yeah and he promised it at the start he said you know I'll I'll do it in three kind of thing it's the whole challenge of getting your own shit see I kind of feel like this (laughs) the cynic in me is like Star Trek is basically the story of the inexplicable rise of the mediocre white man. Like, because I'm just... I think he's... Like, you want to make this guy captain? Do not... you think they made the right decision with Spock first? You're yeah, like, I do. Like, I do feel like how you know, Spock has actually turned up with his CVs at the end. <laughs> say, I can provide some references. It's like, that's fine. You can be my number one. Like, like, oh, thank you. I've known you a week. It's fine. Yeah. I just think like... that he does ride on the coattails of a lot more talented people and smarter people around him like uh, more skilled people around him and I thought and I, it occurred to me <laughs> like that actually the the main people around him if you consider that the cadet um, that he's like the cadet school wherever he is in San Francisco so he's American and the, the cadet school is in America and all the people around him are like either immigrants so you've got like Chekhov and like oh, Scott and, and, and Sulu yeah. and, and or, or they're people of colour or they're women or they're aliens, or they're aliens. Or they're and it's like and he's <laughs> this mediocre white man is being propped up by all these other people <laughs> I had a famous dad don't you know yeah and, and a combination of that and nepotism and it's just like what I lack in skill <laughs> I make up with charisma <laughs> <laughs> Look at this jawline. He's not, he's not <laughs> I think he's a sex pest. This townie isn't bothering you, right? Oh, beyond belief. 
but it's nothing I can't handle. You could handle me. That's an invitation. Well, that's definitely that's, definitely <laughs> that's the Kirk true. we all know. I mean, <laughs> as soon as I saw him um, in the scene where he's having uh, sex with the green girl, and then he goes under the bed and he's kind of perving on Uhura as she takes her kit off, I was like, because I fought forward to a film we'll discuss next month, start it, start this, and some stuff that happens there, and I was like, bloody hell, Pine's perving straight away. Like, yeah, it's but just he like, does it like obviously like earlier when he meets um uh, is it Yahura? Yahura the Yahura. Like, see, this is how much of a non-Trekkie I am. <laughs> I can't even pronounce the names. But she's like, um, like that scene where he meets her at the bar. Like, that is one of my like biggest pet peeves in like film is when the hero is being the drunk asshole that women will not go near. They just want to avoid and get away from as quickly as possible. And it always annoys me mm. when you have okay so to be fair at first she is very kind of standoffish with him when he first like goes well that's a lot of drinks for a lady <laughs> like in the bar like, and you. yeah she's just like yeah whatever and then he comes over and she engages in conversation with him where I'm like no most women and they see a man being that drunk and that annoying don't engage with them and walk but away. But do you not think in this case it's showing that Hura is a very capable woman and she sees Kirk as literally no threat to her whatsoever because she's actually in a superior position and she never falls for his tricks because the whole thing, the joke is very much on Kirk in this film where he discovers that obviously Uhura and Spock are yes. together. Yeah, I mean, it's goes. one of those things where it's just... but. Again, I kind of feel it's slightly, slightly... No, but again, that's another thing where I was just like, the man comes over and goes, you know, is this man bothering you? And it just occurred to me how so often in films, the man that comes over to go, is this man bothering Mm. you, is so often painted as the asshole. He's so often painted as a dick. Oh, yeah, that was the case. And and it's like, if you see a woman being harassed in a bar or wherever, as long as you feel like it's safe to do so, that's the decent thing to do, is to go over and be like, is this guy harassing you? That's not an asshole thing to do, but in movies, that person is Mm. always painted as oh he's a dick it was an asshole doing a non-asshole thing yeah yeah unfortunately he was a twat (laughs) i suppose maybe as an audience we're meant to but then again i was about to say maybe as an audience we're meant to know that actually kirk's an okay guy going like and he's just a bit drunken um but actually i suppose this is for a new audience lots of people would be seeing it for the first time Mm. certainly you were so obviously you would tell you also you know we're seeing him at like his most unformed unrefined yeah he's in a band he's been in like juvenile delinquent essentially yeah i mean you definitely do get from that uh, subsequent like talk with Pine is Pine? No, Pike. not Pine. Pike. <laughs> In that conversation, it does a relatively good job of explaining that the reason this guy is a drunk asshole is he's been he's an bored. embarrassment to his father's he's, memory. He's bored, like because he's he's mm. smart. He's, he's got yeah, he's, he's passed too... these aptitude tests, but he's yeah. not actually fulfilling the potential that he has. Yeah, yeah. and you know he's just kind of wasted, like wasting his life at the moment. Don't and it will be the next couple of films before he even, he even becomes anywhere near the, kind of the Kirk we sort of know yeah Kirk. very much so, he, so I think it's like this is a, very much the beginning of an arc mm, kind of yes. getting him back mm. on track it's also the, one of the genius things about this whole reboot I think because in changing the timeline in such a big way with the events uh, that happen at the start they can you know by killing Kirk's dad 
um, it kind of you know splits off who they were. So they can make Kirk a different kind of character by having him because obviously the Kirk we used to know his dad all lived, so he wouldn't have been this kind of drunk twat yeah. at this at this point mm. anyway. Yeah. So we're able to have this we're able to have the same essential character, like the characteristics of the Kirk we know. Yeah. But he's a different character. So they well, can, it's like they're talking about the good things like being able to kind of you know leap in situations and just, you know, make fast decisions like, yeah. you know, and, and like balance the odds and that kind of thing. You know, and having that heroism, those are things that could potentially be there but need to be explored and he, you know this is the thing he's going to put him an opportunity mm. in Starfleet to have a chance to kind of bring those best parts of him out but that's going to take time so yeah, yeah I feel like yeah, people, you can see potential in him but he is not that person yet and the yeah, beginning of this great. film is him starting to get back on track so everything up until now it's been completely different and then that scene with Pike kind of puts him on the path to being, and that's what this whole film's about. With old Spock trying to make sure they stay together, he's like, "You're both very important to each other." Well, you, it's about getting back on back on the track to be the real Kirk. We, as the audience, we want to see Captain Kirk where he's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know watching him try and get there and him losing his shit time and time again, like on the bridge. You know, he, he beats up like Sue security before he gets like actually marooned for being so off the you know, out of control. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing we wouldn't see Kirk lose in no. his control that much, but we can see that this Kirk would mm. we're like you just like that's one step forward two steps back you know you're not quite getting there but you know he's going to keep proving himself and proving himself to kind of get that position yeah he rises through the ranks really quickly by circumstance but you know that's kind of we can laugh at that the way that yeah out, I mean but. I kind of feel like you couldn't end this film any other way other than have Kirk be made captain no, yeah. like it, you'd feel like you'd been cheated like, out of seeing yeah, it's the casino around. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. you you couldn't but I I do personally feel I am like <laughs> his entire method appears to be <laughs> yeah. winging it so I just like feel that. like yeah well, I, I think, well you know we're spit, spitting away to Zionists but you know you'd think that he is going to be the fully fledged captain from scene one of that but he's not like no, he's already he starts, that film starts with him you know basically uh, disobeying the prime directive and just basically making a real mess of it and uh, not learning from his mistakes and he has mm. to have another pep talk from his mm. yeah. pseudo father otherwise he would just be remaking yeah. the other films at that point like yeah. directly yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah so I feel like it's good that we kind of like have the kind of you know moment where he comes down on the bridge in the yellow shirt and you think oh we're getting there now yeah, mm. but it yeah. is it's just a bit of the way it's like if they did this film but for the Picard crew you can imagine that film ending with young Picard sitting in the chair and going engage credits you know yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, end yeah. of his big moment like the Bond James Bond at the end of Royale it, it is I think you describe it in an ingenious way uh, Matt um, by the fact that it is one of the most interesting ways to do a reboot I've ever seen, mm. where it is essentially half reboot, half sequel. It's my favourite, I think. What, what they're basically doing is saying, okay, the prime universe, Trekkies, that all still exists, that all happened, and it's still there, but we're using, we're splitting the timelines off to tell a different story for a new audience for this. So if you still want the prime universe, that's still mm. there. This isn't rewriting it. Mm. This isn't kind of like it's going un- over it. Unlike Force Awakens, which meant 30 years of like books, like novels, yeah, yeah, comics, yeah. all got wiped out. Yeah. And just saying that is just, that's just your um, you know, fun universe. Forget about that. <laughs> Funny you should say that, Paul. I think you should have a word with William Shatner. <laughs> because uh, I don't know if you know but Shatner wanted a role in this film um, really? thought he thought he should be in there obviously obviously we have Leonard Nimoy returning yes. Yes. as Spock reprising his role and uh, originally there was there was a plan to bring Shatner in everything like that for a small cameo mm. uh, but Shatner was like cameo 
Do you know who you're talking about? I should be the lead role. Like, uh, (laughs) uh, he wanted a bigger role, like Nimoy has Mm. in this film. And they were like, "Mm, I think if we have actual Kirk in it, it's going to detract from what we're trying to do, try to reboot the franchise. And Shatner, uh, because of the fact that one of the excuses they used to not have him in a bigger role was, well, you died in Mm. uh, Starship Generations, uh, was, well, why not just canonise my novels, Star Trek The Return? <laughs> and, uh, and obviously, canonise the fact that he came back from the dead. Uh, uh, right. but surprisingly, they didn't go down this way. I'm not quite sure why. Um, you know, I do think I love Shatner, uh, but I do think they made the right decision. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Nimoy is the right actor and he's the, the right he's character the to the torch. Yeah. Yeah, he has the torch, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and this is a film about Kirk becoming Kirk, and he it can only do that through the help of others. If he had it from the help of himself, I think that defeats his well, own journey. Mine, you know, needs to be because Shatner's uh, performance is so iconic, and yes. you know, you know, been some ridiculed as well. But is you know, people kind of know it. And to, you know, he could just be doing an impression in their ticks and that kind of thing, but he only does it the once. And he said he kept it down to one a moment near the end, where in, the, in Spock's ship, oh, yeah. he, he delivers a line like Shatner would. In the event that I do not return, please tell Lieutenant O'Hara. Spock, it'll work. And that's the only time he does it. Oh, the rest I... of the time, he's uh, playing it a different way. He, yeah, yeah, he's he's the one who kind of stays away the most from but the original performance. You can still feel it, can't you? I mean, well, you can in the sense. I think of... he looked a lot like William Shatner when he was being strangled by Nero. <laughs> <laughs> that, was his, that was his true tribute. Yeah. Um, like yeah. But it's it's, it's like you say, the fact that they've split the timelines and gone. This isn't because actually, if it was a straight reboot, it would seem far more odd that he isn't particularly acting mm. like Kurt. But because this is a parallel universe, it's a different. And he is, he is a it's different nature, person nature, because it? everything has changed. It, and it makes sense that the other characters would be more like they're their original because same. their main timeline hasn't been affected in quite the same yes. way. Until but, they meet Kirk. I yeah, guess. whereas yeah. Kirk's has. So he's going to be the one who actually seems like a different mm. person. So any kind of Trekkies, uh, old school kind of complaining, like, oh, he's not well, acting is, exactly the same. Back to like, the future, essentially, he needs, they, they need to make Kirk and Spock fall in love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what old yeah. Spock's doing. Yeah. So it's the, it's the George McFly yeah. and, and uh, what's the name? Rain. You are gonna, my density. <laughs> I was going to say density. Yeah, I was going to say the moment where Pine most felt like Shatner to me was during the Kobayashi Maru test because he's playing up being a cocky captain because they're not actually in any danger. For me, the way <laughs> yeah. it's just like locking on ships and fire torpedoes in like a very kind of yeah. yes, yeah, and, he's, yeah. and he's eating an apple the same way he does in Trek Two yeah. when he talks about like how, how he cheated yeah. in the test. That's kind of and that was kind of genius because yeah. in that environment you can play up that side and so I'm glad he does it in that scene maybe the most and then yeah. although I think the real the way he would have done it in the uh, Prime Universe would have been a bit more subtle than this kind of all the lights go off and he's not really you know it just seems like the most obvious cheat of obvious hack well but yeah he's done comedy the... effect yeah, yeah. <laughs> comedy effect yeah. like well you mentioned this in our Wrath of Khan episode still available on iTunes uh, <laughs> where uh, you were saying about how they do the test um, in this film but it's more like a parody almost the original yeah. uh, test where that's done very seriously yeah. in Russell hey, So I didn't realise there was this is a kind of... This that, is a thing, yeah. Uh, so test, a like, yeah. test that he always cheats at. Well, you know, he cheated, yeah, he cheated in the other, other universe as well. But, like, but, <laughs> but, he never, but, but he doesn't get discovered. So he would have he would have done the Kobayashi Maru test 20 years before and it's only when he's like in middle age where he finally admits that he changed it. So he must have done it a bit more subtly in that. But in this, like, straight away, you're like... You, well, yeah! He's, and that's he's proving other... a point this time, isn't it? Because he's kind of saying, like, 
Yeah, beat your test. <laughs> yeah, but it's that thing but again of like, why? No Spock. But it's that thing again of like, I'm like, really? You're making this guy the captain? <laughs> like, he cheated at a test. Leadership. Quite, it must have been quite a big deal because they call him out in front of like everyone. He almost has like a tribunal. Well, yeah, because he, he does. It's almost like before he goes to the ship, it's like Charles of Kirk. Yeah. And then the same guy, when he comes back, is like, we give you the greatest medal. Like, but you know, I mean, he's yeah, he's on his journey to becoming the Shatman. Uh, so it's, uh, it's really interesting having come through this whole movie journey with you guys on the show. I've now, I'm can now really appreciate Carl Urban as McCoy. He's yes, really he's got this thing yeah. down because I I didn't really know seeing this the first time how much he was like him, but he's he's really got it down. I was really impressed with him. And to give some of the backstory that you know we, we wanted to hit that little snippet about his ex-wife taking the whole planet of a divorce, having to go to space where he hates just to kind of get away from the pain of that. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's like that's brilliant. Uh, for, you know, you get so much to send the character from that scene yeah. when they first meet. Uh, brilliant. And is it? I never quite. Is McCoy meant to be? He is meant to be older, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, like, he, he is, is older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, he's about five, sort of seven years older. And that's the same in the original yeah, series. Yeah. He's meant to be slightly older. Well, he died, the actor, in 1997. Oh, so, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chatner's yeah. still alive, so... <laughs> <laughs> At but, time of recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What have you done? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it, straight away, um, you, can, you were mentioning with the sound effects and everything like that, they seem to have really taken great care over replicating a lot of cosmetic elements like kind of the sound effects and even the special effects the uh, costumes the props uh, the sets were well, all yeah. very retro the teaser poster was just a gold the gold insignia against a blue and gold background mm. so the beautiful 60s kind of poppy colours just from that you thought well it's going to be going back to the beginning it's mm. going to have a little taste of the 60s but they don't overdo it they do just the uniforms and like they've got the communicators which are you know just a nice touch completely ridiculous they also they have uh, Yahura has uh, like little uh, eyeliner flicks which was very oh, 60s very oh, mod makeup well because doesn't she also wear because Yahura is wearing like her uniforms a mini skirt yeah, yeah, type yeah, yeah, yeah. thing she doesn't boots as well yeah so it's very she's got like like the high ponytail and also the music as well uh, you know even the end credits I thought was beautiful the fact that they bring back the old closing credits theme mm. uh, but obviously a new version um, which is really yeah. really nice um, uh, there's uh, there's an approaching the Enterprise scene here that doesn't last 20 minutes so showing the yeah, picture it's, how it's, it's done but the grand you I think well, it's the shot too before that. Before, as they leave orbit, you get to see San Francisco in a wide shot. Mm. Yes. And it's the first time I felt like this is Actually a world. city. Yeah. We yeah. watched 10 movies and we never got the sense of, a, of uh, any planets being huge or you get to see like, the scale of the future. And this goes to show like this is the, yeah. you know, the big budget is finally arrived for Star Trek. They are taking, you know, betting the farm yeah. on this one. I think it's, it's Spielberg loved the script. He convinced Abrams to take oh, it because nice. he just said this is great. Abrams also got like the point he's just going to produce but like no I, I can't let anybody else direct this this is going to be great as well I think there's a good sense about this film so hopefully mm. that, that, that kind of inspired the money makers you know the money it is a great to put the money in yeah. there to make it look that good and when you got yeah they come up to the ship you know you get that I love that sense of scene. Awe. I mean yeah. you've got that lovely moment as well when you see him under construction mm. see jobs are coming back to the Midwest <laughs> <laughs> it will take 200 years <laughs> 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 
Um, yeah, because all that kind of stuff, um, when you're seeing the ship being constructed and then the shots of it, so it did seem, like you said, their kind of tribute to the motion picture and the dry dock score as well. Like, it really, I love that score as it takes, it's about to take off. Michael Giannaccio uh, uh, Giacchino is, is it I think it's Giacchino no, no, uh, we'll have to write in Michael um, yeah. but yeah I, I mean I think I think he's a brilliant composer he's, I mean, he's, he's really uh, you know, come, to, scores, come to his fore and thus I mean if you look at his IMDB uh, people at home he's it's pretty like much Abrams scored every Pixar, major yeah. blockbuster going and at the moment yeah. um, he started off of course in another JJ uh, project scoring the Lost TV series mm-hmm. which is undoubtedly Amazing one music. of the best scores ever created for TV so you obviously brought him along here to mm-hmm. score and he did that by three uh, um, yeah, so yeah, that's right. Also that. directed by J.J. Abrams, of course. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think he does a brilliant job. I really do because yeah. it's kind of it's new and old. And mm. He doesn't. He certainly doesn't just ape the old scores at all. No. Um, but he brings a new bombastic. But let's see if it gets you know real sense of the um, oh, just from the, the opening bits. Well, we do you referring to the prologue, but like the really emotional score where the kind of the sound drops out as they're, as uh, they're escaping mm. and the, the baby's being born, and then it comes the sound comes back in with the baby crying is so emotional. Yeah. Mm. And um, but yeah, I think the the, the warp to, the emergency warp scene where the other the um, the other fleet go ahead and Sulu basically saves their lives <laughs> by yeah up. yeah you know like that three minute gap they they they, they, they save themselves yeah. inadvertently. Uh, but you know that's great, and I think you know that's the Star Wars element because Abrams such a big Star Wars fan, having like the yes. captain yes. like say punch it, like punch like it. Han would do. This was a thing, yeah. wasn't it? Um, at the time, uh, which a lot of I, I believe a lot of Trekkies kind of complained about was the fact that okay. JJ was a bigger fan of Star Wars than he was of Star Trek. I think he was actually it's often been kind of made out as if he didn't, he wasn't a fan of Star Trek at all. Like he was like us at the beginning of Spotlight or something like that. Well, no, but I don't think he, that's true. He I did, think he, yeah, he did like Star Trek but he just uh, he wasn't like the, the uber fan from childhood. Yeah. He did say he hadn't watched Nemesis but then nobody else did so. Actually it's a good thing that we saw it because this film is a remake of that is a much better version of the same plot. You're, you're right, actually. Romulans, there yeah. is a lot sh- to share with Nemesis, isn't there? I mean, even, uh, I would say, Eric Barner's uh, villain yeah. looks slightly like Tom Hardy. It's Hardy's a Romulan with, like, a Death Deathwish. Yeah, and heads yeah. towards Earth at the end to try and wipe it out. Yeah. Um, you know, so there are, there's, you know, the huge ship as well, um, the Scimitar, yeah, yeah. and, like, the... Um, Nevada, quite similar. Yeah, you know, no, there's, there's a, a good few point. things, but it's kind of like just all other things that Nemesis mm. couldn't get quite right. This does it right. Um, Can we um, talk about Spock for a second? Oh yeah, because oh, you can't, can't wait to I, talk I, about Spock. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's literally because um, I found it really interesting, and I wondered whether this was something that is kind of alluded to in like previous, you know, stuff with Star Trek. Is the fact that um, in the in this film, like, uh, apparently, like, because you see that scene where he's um, being invited to join some kind of Vulcan, mm. like, science academy, science academy mm. and he chooses not to and chooses to go to Starfleet mm. essentially because of Vulcan, like, supremacy and the fact that they think that he is less than because his mother is human. Yeah, yeah. And I wondered whether that was something that is like 
it's yeah it's talked it's, about at all in, no, in but never so well as this yeah like, i thought that was really, really interesting i'd love to see where we comes from like the bullying that he's had to endure it's like, like the was... squarest bullying ever <laughs> i love it he requires so physical stimulation <laughs> <laughs> what i love is like Get it, boys. <laughs> I, I, I presume you've got new assaults affirmative <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that really made me laugh because he turns around and goes like this is the 35th time you have tried to elicit a response from me and and it's like and basically what really makes me chuckle is it took them 35 times to come up with your mum's a whore like that's what this is a response ah, shaming the mother oh, yeah. Yeah, like, ah that's the key yeah, so. does, okay. does his mum show up in character. search for Spock when he's chatting with his, when his dad's around is his mum there as well his mum comes in four, four. Like, yeah she, you see her in um, four because after he's come back, back from the dead right. she's sort of his oh, yeah. helping to understand why his human friend risked everything to save him mm-hmm. and uh, trying to give a human perspective on why they're acting like humans. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I think it's a you know, wonderful moment where he does sort of you know, say like I live long and prosper, and then it has the boom, wow, wow music. Like uh, the, yeah, the next scene, like, just like you know, sassing the real like, up yours. Like, yeah. the, the way Vulcans are and their logic, you know, and the way the script's done is just it, so much humour yeah. comes from Spock's. Uh, reactions to things yeah, in this yeah. film. Uh, yeah, that's such a clever way of doing the live long and prosper because he's essentially saying it sarcastically. So he's basically saying, "Hope you die, stupid twat." Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to say my normal and, thing. But. And then also, you know, when Old Spock says, "My usual like," uh, he'll, he'll be, be, self, be self-serving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I really love Spock in this movie. I, I love that they bring that emotional element to the forefront to inform his whole character for the movie. So him standing up to his human side and having to kind of battle between it and Kirk really leaning on it to, you know, especially to elicit emotional response. It it makes him so much more um, of him finding him in the same way that Kirk finds himself. Yeah, because it's that thing of, like, he's clearly at war with himself Mm. because he's got this, um, you know, his mother is... um, human so he's half human but he's been brought up in this Vulcan society that really uh, looks down on that and really denigrates that quality in in a being and the, the fact that even from his own father you know he turns around and goes marrying your mother was logical was the logical thing to mm. do but then you later learn that actually he did love his yeah, like he married her so because nice. he loved her like yeah. so why would you turn around and tell your your son that you he's only so- married his mother because it was the logical thing to do unless it was a real stigma yeah, to be yeah, emotional it's, it's a really good moment because you know, again it's like the call cool response thing where you have that follow up later on where he does say you know you love to that just works out so well in yes. terms of like you get so much just from one line mm. about their relationship and the fact that this is going to be a different relationship now mm. now that this has happened um I, I think you know there's so much humour where like Spock says you know your survival is unlikely to Captain Pike because he's about to go over to the, um, the other ship. Um, yeah. <laughs> like cheers. <laughs> oh, I should mention is we've already skipped over the bar scene earlier um, when Erna was lamb busting. Uh, that we are in conjunction with this film all drinking. Budweiser oh, classics, yeah. otherwise known as just normal Budweiser. Budweiser. Um, obviously, changed the Budweiser classic in the future, presumably. Uh, unless it, now, because well, no, it's because the, the Beastie Boys are classic. Can I actually now. try a bit? Yeah, yes. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah there we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to say, I mean, this this says. <laughs> 
uh, promotes itself <laughs> as the king of beers. Uh, I'm afraid I do not agree. No, uh, no. but you know, for sponsor us, otherwise we we we, we <laughs> should drink it. It's a pet peeve of mine whenever they kind of like order lame drinks in films. Um, you know, kind of because it means we have to copy it in ones. the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's because it's that thing of it's well, it's an American beer. You know, I just guys, America, you don't do great lagers. However. The pale ale we drank for our Voyage Home episode, still available on iTunes, was very, very nice. So, Anchor Brewery, thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. good. Um, oh, also, like, you know, because uh, we briefly mentioned the bit where Kirk is in, like, uh, the bedroom of that green alien woman mm-hmm. and then the horror comes right. in and then oh, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> this was because I thought I would uh, subject this film to a few uh, women representation tests. Oh, so, um, it does. There's wait, can a, you, wait, can you explain what these tests are? Okay, uh, so there's a few. So, um, one of my favourites is the Furiosa test, which is um, if men's rights activists don't boycott your film, <laughs> then you have failed the Furiosa test. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, Furiosa, of course, is Charlie's Ferron's couch for men. Yes, yeah. Right? So, unfortunately, this film does not pass the Furiosa test, but you can't have everything. It does, it does inspire the ire of old school Trekkies. Not for any yeah, men's rights. Not quite the same thing. <laughs> so, the other test is the sexy lamp test, okay. which uh, goes something like this. So, if you're if in your film if you can take out the female character and replace her with a sexy lamp <laughs> then uh, you're a fucking hack basically <laughs> like and I think it passes a sexy lamp test Ooh. I think Yahura like she does it's because of her skill and her knowledge at, and she's good at her job that she discovers that communication yeah. that leads to the clue to them suspecting that they're about to warp into a trap so well she seems like the most professional person on the ship yeah so, like, no yeah she is like, straight, straight <laughs> and people are you know in awe of her talent yes actually, and, and like Spock you know who probably isn't easily impressed no you know it's just like you'll be very white you know white <laughs> she is unmatched though I would like to point out something that isn't really it's kind of said and you don't She's his student. They're in a relationship, and he's the teacher, and she's the student. And I was like, is that not a bit, you know, inappropriate? I was was also slightly confused because so is Spock not a cadet? No, no. They say he's been there for like yeah. Because I was about to say it's like so that 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 kind of tunnel. It's like it weirded me out that they weren't quite all on the same kind of level because then it made it even weirder that kind of Kirk ended up superseding Spock because yeah. I was like wait a minute he's chaining him a minute exactly, ago but, exactly. yeah, like, uh, but yeah he is abusing his position exactly yeah. <laughs> so the second test is the Makamori test which is um in your film one woman uh, who gets her own narrative that is not supporting a man's story inspired by Pacific uh, Rim yeah. yeah so oh, nice. um I do think that it fails this test because I think Yahura though I think she is a good character mm. her character is strictly used mm. to prop up and Kirk and of, Spock's story the, well the whole film is the Kirk and Spock it story is. to yeah, the degree so, that a lot of old school fans complain that uh, Bones um, McCoy Carl Urban's character doesn't it's kind get of sideline, a, a sideline yeah. where really they are usually a trio. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things so where... So it's also failed the Bones test. It has yeah. failed the Bones <laughs> yeah. But it technically ooh, ooh. just 
passes the Bechdel test. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the because, biggie. Yeah, that? so, so the Bechdel test, if that no one knows, yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> so you have two named women who talk to each other about something other than a man. So in that scene, she is talking to, I believe she calls her Gayla, the green alien woman. Right. So they are both named and she briefly talks to her about the communication she has heard. But I would like to go on to say that that conversation very quickly talks uh, goes on to talk about the man under the bed and at the end of it, they're both in their underwear. Well, as they pass, luckily, they're both getting their kill off at the same time, so everybody's a winner! Like, so it is slightly undercut, in my opinion. There, there was a deleted scene, which is probably wisely cut, where on the Enterprise, Kirk is just walking in the corridor and he bumps into a green lady again and yeah. says, like, you know, um, I just want to say I'm really sorry about the way kind of things ended on, you know, under the bed. It's probably quite embarrassing for you. And I'm really, you know, it's like, you're, you're not Gaylor, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> the xenophobe. Yeah, it's the wrong green woman. Like, yeah. oh, but yeah. the green woman is a tribute to the original show, yes. isn't she? Yeah, it, it is. is a thing. They it's had one of the more amusing kind of allusions to like his, you know, penchant for... Uh, Alien women. Uh, oh, I can understand. She's a sexy green lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, she was um, an FHM. On was, was she? Was she green? Nope. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not interested. Not interested. Well, <laughs> the interrogation scene of Captain Christopher Pike. Um, one thing that struck me about this scene is the all the water on the floor, and I think it maybe just an alternate version of this scene where. The, you know, Captain Pike, the toilets are overflowing. <laughs> and if you ever want me to call a plumber, tell me what I want to know. <laughs> oh, well, I thought that was really interesting, actually. Like, the, um, because there's, again, that kind of, um, uh, sort of clash of cultures when, um, Scotty, Scott, Scotty, Scotty, um, beams at the like near the end, like beams Spock and Kirk onto um, the Romulan ship, and he goes, "If you know, if this ship is laid out in any kind of logical <laughs> way, yeah. I'm beaming you into the cargo bay," and yeah. then he beams them straight into like the middle of the ship, like surrounded by uh, yeah, I people. That and was I, very odd. I, I, well, I think That's it's supposed to show that there's a com- you know that there's a misunderstanding of cultures yeah. and there's a again like a, a su- like a supremacy where it's like well this is the logical way to sail a ship yeah. but another culture yeah. would be like well no and we just, think that this is the more logical way and it way just saves time ship. on um, the pacing like rather than being them somewhere safe that has no danger put them in danger straight away yeah I, I've got to say I thought that bit where suddenly Scotty was in the pike thing oh that's a different part. Uh, oh right okay, well, about you're talking about, about when they go on to the Nero thing. ship and they're like surrounded oh right Right, okay, yes, okay, yeah, yes. very good. But that, that bit yeah. where he beats part and really falls like, in force jeopardy, like, yeah, I think that was needed. I, don't know, I, I appreciate him like making everything that happens have consequences, either it being put him in danger or something doesn't go right. Like, he just keeps things interesting. And that yeah, may because be one immediately thing far, off the back of that, they then know that someone's yeah, beamed onto all, the ship. It's yeah. all cause like, and effect. And then immediately, yeah. like, their people are looking for them. I so really it, like what you said about, like, the, the way the, the ship's are laid out because I think there's a bit as well where, you know, people maybe say this film hasn't got, like, traditional Trek values or something like that. There's not enough of a kind of a big theme. But I think the moment where... Kirk actually offers assistance to the basically genocidal 
bad guys with pure tricks. Yes. And, you know, and it's yes. humorously played because like, Spock's like, mm, not this time. Do we want to? Yeah. But I think it's, uh, but that's one of the criticisms we leveled at Nemesis about the whole fact why do you have to put Earth in jeopardy? There's no point to it. The whole plan should be like, the, the way the Next Generation series should resolve itself is the Enterprise and the Federation coming to the aid of the Romulans and fight with them against this common enemy and prove themselves, you know, mm. that we will put aside all our misunderstandings to try and work together. And that through that sacrifice, they would, you know, gain respect in the eyes of, you know, a judicial enemy. That's kind of yeah. like the illusion. Because they're outlaws. They're not, part, they're not representing the Romulans yeah. in that film. They're, they they say we're like, just... You know, the Federation would have, in Romulan eyes, every reason to kind of kill them and, you know, in a horrible way. But the fact that they would show compassion... Um, would we would look really good? So yeah, yeah, I like that bit. Yeah, no, I, I think you're um, completely right, and I do love that moment um, for Kurt. We give some a chance first. Yeah, um, and then just instantly before, goes, "You got it." Yeah, yeah. Is it? Although I um, wished, wished <laughs> Pine had done a Shatner fist pump when he said "fire," undiscovered <laughs> country oh style. That would have um, been amazing. Should we talk about the incredible space jump sequence? Because that's the the film's kind of first big set piece, yeah. kind of coming just before halfway. And when, when the red shirt dies, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, incredible yeah, yeah. and that red shirt dying is really yeah, funny. I love so. that joke because the way they just cut him on the thing, and he's like, Woo, well, I like again. The fact that he's like, not he's not actually wearing the classic red shirt, but he's he's got he's wearing yeah, red. yeah. He's and then I love the fact that he just dies instantly. What I would like to know is the whole um, thing around the like red shirt always dies. Is that something that just happened by chance, or is that well, something that they realised yeah. they were doing, well, killing the thing, off the it, red people, and then they just built it into <laughs> well, the show? Well, there's a thing where if they go on like a mission and he wants to have certain main characters with you, none of them can die, obviously. Yes. So whoever you don't know is going to die. Yes. And red would denote security division. Yeah. So uh, like, you know, there's usually some guy who already pulls a gun out and then gets zapped. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's the end joke. It's odd that he's the engineer, though. So he's the engineer also. So he's basically like the chief engineer of the Enterprise. He's goes. He's but he's an explosive expert as well, so he's like, are you the best person to send on this mission? But this is something that our, lo- not our last guest, but a previous guest, Ross O'Coy, mentioned when we were talking about Star Trek Insurrection, is that always the people they beam down have no right or reason to yeah. be down on that party kind of thing that is, if you you're look too important to be di- yeah, if you look at the different people that they've been down he's always like engineer you shouldn't be here you should be in the engineering <laughs> room like yeah there are always people like why are they here yeah. Like, yeah. they should have like a SWAT team squad ready for these well things, yeah it should be all red shirts yeah, yeah. the most religion Englishman in a film since yeah. Cliffhanger and you went <laughs> you know the guy who thinks, thinks the guy who's heads of football yeah. kicks him out of your arse I mean you get some great action in the sequence I love Sulu's extendable sword oh I, I love that sword it's amazing but also just again I'm like yeah why is Kirk here because compared to Sulu like Sulu's like breaking out all these like clearly trained martial but, art moves but and he's just like mm-hmm. brawling but and he almost dies well. like Sulu's kind of bluffing as well because he's like yeah I've just been done fencing training oh dear but, <laughs> but no he's doing things still like kicks well, like, yeah, he's, he's doing like he's, he's clearly more trained than Kirk is well yeah he's, he's from the east so obviously he's proficient <laughs> 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 You're just bored with martial arts. It's just a go-to in Hollywood cinema. Like, uh, I know karate. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, but this is a great turning point for the movie. Like, I love that the sabotage and the drill mission is successful, but they still fail and Falcon still uh, implodes. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, that's great effect. That's yeah. brilliant effect as well. Yeah. Brilliant mm. effect. It looks like a Malteser game. Suck through a straw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I always think about it. But um, I feel like you, after that moment, you've destroyed one of the key planets in this whole... Uh, universe mm. and that series like, it's brilliant like really kind of uh, the stakes are really really high and you've mm. established people on the planet before you blow it up yep which is so important and then when you yeah. don't do it what was the other it's generations. generations it's generations yeah. it's a random planet which we never really see Anybody or anything like that they're just like oh there's too many people on that planet we don't know them don't know who they are it's like it's exactly like we said because Vulcan that's a really clever way of doing it because I mean obviously I know Earth ends up being in danger later um, but in this case, it's like, oh, it's not Earth, but it is Vulcan, and we know what Vulcan is. We've got Spock as a main character, so we've got a connection there. We've met other characters. We've been on Vulcan. Mm. And so, yeah, like you say, it's a huge, yeah. huge moment. And to any old-school fans watching, seeing Vulcan destroyed is <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, yeah, well, it yeah. puts the context in, because like you say, if you go, like, uh, if you just have a, a planet that's destroyed Branded that you planet. never see any of the people or any of the culture mm. you get no inkling as to what's going on there like it's yes. just an abstract concept isn't it and it's just it's, like oh just and it's such a yeah. decisive victory for what Nero wanted to do he wanted to capture Spock make him watch while he destroys the planet that's the giant evil villain scheme and he, he does it and he's with bonus yeah. as well so he gets to book old and <laughs> yeah. Spock no. watching the same thing and, and yeah. Spock loses his mum which is so like oh, oh, as well big yeah. sad face because that's a that's an amazing little twist where it's like He's done it, he's got them, they're beaming, and then whoop, she's gone and they missed. And then when he appears in the thing of his arm out, it's like... Oh, Ugh. that is, yeah, is tragic. And it's, um, yeah, just really, uh, just, and you can, I, I really like the, um, how they show how um, it's not as simple as we're just going to beam you up. Like, you have to catch people, like, mm. and so you see as, as she's falling. They make is it, it real, they ground it. Yeah, like, yeah, it just makes it all the more... Oh, heartbreaking. I love the beam effect yeah. in um, this film um, because what's so great about it, I think, is that it isn't the same effect as previous uh, Star Trek incarnations. Um, it is a new, a different type of effect with kind of the, when they're beaming up or beaming them down, with kind of it swishes around. It looks like molecules. Like I mean, However, yeah. I think what's really clever about it, although it's a new design of effect, it looks like something from a 60s TV show. Like, the way it's done yeah. looks very retro, mm. like it could have been the original. And is effect. it the same sound? Like, maybe yeah. not the exact same yeah, one that no, was being done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same style. Yeah, because there's lots of good extras on this film about like how he kind of did the torpedo effect. It's just like suspending a metal wire from like in a prism and then just whacking it with like a, you know, a rod. See, that's what this film does so well with, as well, with um, the emotional stakes. It's just set up and pay off. It's such simple stuff, but, you know, we, we, we feel Spot losing his mum and the planet going mm. because of what we saw earlier. And same mm. later on, when, when Kirk's getting Spot to be emotionally compromised on the bridge, it calls back to the earlier bullying that we saw. I mean, that could have just been a throwaway character-building scene early on, but because mm. we've seen that and we've seen it happen to him... As soon as Kirk starts pushing those right buttons, especially the mum buttons, it's as always before, the mum button. But now yeah. it's the mum buttons post death. Four attempts to get the mum button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got the extra incentive of her now being freshly dead. So <laughs> it's just like, um, yeah, it just pay, pays off straight away. It's really good. I really like the use of um, Captain Pike in this film. Captain Pike 
was the original Star Trek captain before Kirk. So when they launched the show, well, um, <laughs> as a, obviously, you know, in a way, they tend to do a pilot episode first. Yes. The pilot episode, Kirk wasn't in it. Captain oh. Pike was the character. Yeah, the only character um, to survive the pilot was Spock, like in terms of like when they redid the show properly. Oh, right. was the character that people the audience actually liked. They threw away that pilot and did a new one kind of thing. Does Pike it, it, come back in the series at all, or yes. is it just the pilot? I didn't know he came back, but he was, yeah, he's the captain the first, so Kirk's not there, and so, then Kirk's the captain. In so they're the almost recanonizing a character who was exercised yes. right at the start. And making, oh. him the, and making him the mentor in the set, I thought was just a really clever way of doing it, because mm. obviously that wouldn't have been the way it would have yeah. been in the original series. Yeah. Um, but it's a really smart way to use that character and pay kind of tribute to that original episode. And he ended up in a wheelchair, much like he does in the show. So, oh. like, oh, does he? Let's see, I didn't know, well, it, you know about Matt, him. The future I'm a fan will, yeah. will recognise the kind of like um, sort of wheelchair in the future where you communicate with like beeps. In the show, because there was, he, when he was reintroduced, he was introduced as a crippled person who can't speak. Oh, because he went to this planet. He was the chair. Uh, oh. Called Rigel Seven, I think, but yeah, and it's a, a two-part flashback of basically how we, well, how, what happened in that first mission as the Enterprise crew. So they bring back the pilot, the unused pilot's crew, to to film like this flashback alternate reason of how they all got essentially killed or whatever, you know, um, to like pave the way for the real crew that we that we know and love. So yeah, they did amazing kind of retcon of like using the, that discarded crew yeah, in the actual show itself. Oh man, I've got to see this. We'll, we'll have to do an Adventures well, do of Captain one, Pike uh, episode. Well, like when we when we dip into that show, which we intend to do oh, in some like, episodes. Let, let's just do Captain Pike light. But yeah, one thing I found interesting about this was the Starfleet. I don't know. To me, at least, seems slightly different here than they do in the original show in the, in the original show it's very much it's all about exploration isn't mm-hmm. it whereas here they almost seem to be NATO galactic police like because they call it like peacekeepers and that they seem to be kind of you know keeping an eye on things they didn't I mean in the new JJ versus the one thing there doesn't seem to be that much exploration going on kind of seems to just be more like but not you know, yet is it because it's quite early days still when it yeah comes there is yeah, well, the opening scene is exploration but there is like I think there's uh, by the end of well three years later there's no, it's twenty years. Whatever, however, Kirk is is different. Twenty five. Yeah. So just like there is a lot of time where they would have gone explore, but they probably consolidate what they've got, and there is a united federation of planets to protect and you know maintain order throughout that and support that. So you know there is there is two parts to it. I think not everybody's off exploring. Because <laughs> that's the um, reason I was like. Uh, a bit confused as to why Kirk's mum would be on on a ship heavily pregnant because like you say in by the time um, Kirk is is there like with Spock it appears to be more like a police keeping kind of situation mm. yeah. and I was like why well, would ha- you well, the have the fleet is engaged in the Laurentian system this is like a throwaway line that they keep mentioning this but they don't see what they're doing up there no it could be they just kind of like Sort of having a battle, we don't know, but you know, it just looks like they're floating around looking for trouble. No, <laughs> they were just looking for trouble. They're like Earth, pretty much, and guys, like all the ships that are left there get have to get sent to Vulcan, don't they? And then they all get wiped out, so there's literally unguarded. I don't think Nero needs to worry about those security codes to get through Earth's defenses uh, at all because it's you know, he's destroyed most of the fleet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we should talk about Nero. I mean, he's the villain in this film, obviously. I really like 
um, his he, his big introduction uh, where he comes off of the screen uh, later on and just goes, "Hi, Christopher, I'm Nero." <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Hello. Straight straight away, he seems like an extremely grounded villain. There's none of the Shakespearean airs of some of the previous villains. I mean, before we've had Khan, we've had Christopher Plummer. Um, in such like the undiscovered country, um, and, and he just yeah, and he just seems like you were talking out almost like they're the blue collar uh, Romneys. He seems really earthy and like a, a real guy. Like you he know, seems you, like a guy who's got like a, a wife and child support payments back home. Like, oh, I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to hold down a job, and you blow up my planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, he, you know, you can buy his just he's just fueled by our anger. And kind of hatred. But also, what occurred to me because there's a there's a scene where um, he's lying down and the camera is just looking at him, mm. and he's just looking straight at the camera. I think, mm. and he's looking really intense and like rageful. And it just occurred to me then that I was like, not only is he full of rage. But he's been kicking around, mulling that, like sitting on that for like 25 years, waiting to exact his revenge. Mm. And I was just like, that's. So not only has he got like insane rage, but he's. You know, he's you can see. Well, also that he's quite, quite mad. <laughs> just, quite, quite mad. Just you should mention that shot because actually not for that scene at all. It was actually from a deleted scene uh, where that twenty-five years is spent in a Klingon prison planet. So the initial open the beginning, the ship is crippled by the Kelvin ramming it. Along come undecloaked loads of Klingon warbirds, and they capture Nero and his crew and impound the ship. And you know, when we pick it up three years later, or you know, sorry, twenty-five years later. It's, it, he's being interrogated for the umpteenth time by Klingons in this prison and that's the shot of him like being strapped down on the table and they're kind of asking him all this stuff about the technology and he won't give anything up, he won't say anything but he beats them all up, gets the crew and then they go back and get their ship. It was a bit far-fetched. Just in time yeah, to meet Spock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, but the whole thing's on the deleted scenes but um, yeah, but it's a great reuse of that one shot mm. and seeing it in its that context it really works to sort of yeah. see them just sort of mulling over just being like mm. yeah. <laughs> are, are there any Klingons in this film? no, not in the final cut uh, in the final cut, yeah, because that's the thing I just realised, like, have we seen any Klingons in the JJ universe? yeah, yeah. In, in the others Oh, okay. All right. Well, forget that. Then. But it, it seems this is surely this will be the first, uh, definitely the first Star Trek film where there's not a Klingon in sight. Yes, definitely. Yeah, they're in every single other Star Trek film. Yeah, um, they're doing that classic thing where the reboot of a franchise leaves off the most popular villain. It's yes. like saving Joker for the Dark Knight. It's, yeah, it's all of these, yeah. and it's just saving them, even though they still haven't really been the focused villain yet. Have they? Uh, I think that's the good. That's the right choice. Yeah, uh, certainly. Like, uh, yeah, because I. I I think Nero's a really good villain. I like. Um, I think it makes sense the Romians being the villain in this one as well uh, emphasizes um, the kind of juxtaposition between Spock and the Vulcans and uh, Romulus. And so, well, there's even almost a little shout back to bigotry on the bridge, which we discussed in our morality of uh, Trek supplemental episode, uh, where there's that guy on the bridge who can't distinguish uh, Romulan from Vulcan. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they're obviously extremely similar and yeah, leads to issues come before. And I almost, in my head, imagine that was that guy from that clip. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a nice little callbacks everywhere and everyone's getting to say their catchphrases as well. 
yeah, I think that's I think that's the nice touchstones for like the average moviegoer who who we're not been going to Star Trek but mm. gets to hear. This was me at the time. Yeah, you know, we discussed that as well, and like you know, where we said phases set phases to stun. You've heard that. Yeah, just yeah. Because it's popular like lexicon, but you know, yes. seeing it here, just like, oh, that's where it's from. Yeah, yeah and being like, and, and beam even me up. yeah, beam me up, and um, I'm giving it, all it. She, yeah, yeah, I'm giving it yeah, all she's got, got, like, and oh, and that's my favorite. I'm giving it all she's got. Yeah, <laughs> and also like get the the red shirt joke. Um, so in terms of the final battle, like I think it works oh, really well. Yeah, real. I love it. Um, the reappearance of the Enterprise, amazing. Moment. That is one of my favorite moments, absolutely, yeah. with the score coming back yeah. in as it takes out those torpedoes and the bad, most badass live all time cheers fire everything yes I love that because what I like about Nero is he seems that emotional uh, villain like we kind of got you know with Khan at the end the reason that's so intense uh, at the end of the Wrath of Khan their final battle is that Khan is allowing his emotions and his hatred uh, lust for revenge to overwhelm him yeah. uh, like, you know, well it's gone beyond like again it kind of he is enjoying the fact he's killing Kirk as well um because he says, "I know your history, and you." I know you from human history. history but yeah. you used to be a great man, but I'm going to like snuff you out life. right now. I mean, again, it's kind of the the, the trap that Nemesis falls into. Is like suddenly he's not that bothered about Spock anymore. He's actually just like, "I'm going to kill everybody." He's yeah, completely yeah. gone off the deep he's end. Gone off, yeah. Yeah, um, I think uh, yeah. No, so there's the amazing sort of Prince Enterprise and the the, the destruction of the Narada is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then you got the great black hole form. Black hole, yeah, and the Enterprise having to walk away at the last second. Well, not walk away, but they have to. Um, do the little trick of uh, jettisoning. Yeah, it always seems to work the jettisoning the walk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, was there another film that did that? Or yeah, Insurrection. Insurrection. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, two films ago. I do have a question though, because you know the bit where they meet Scotty um, and uh, they uh, old Spock like yes. uses. Scotty, I think it's called like trans warp beaming, beaming equation, yeah. equation, and he's oh no, it can be done because you invented it. But I was just like, does this now mean that the trans warp equation is now Spock's trans warp yeah, equation and not Scotty's? Like. Yeah, he lets Scotty take it over. But I think this is the thing: giving them advanced energy now creates even more in- interesting issues, or or actually just issues in general yeah. for this new timeline because that technology is then stolen by Khan in the next film. You know he's got he's privy to like these uh, these advancements yeah. that happened on the back of that, and he can transport himself from Earth to Klingon homeworld. Like I don't know how, but it's just like these these things you can do that are way beyond what they could actually do mm. in the Prime Universe. It's another Seems spanner in the works of this time. It's, it's the writers are kind of making a rod on their own back because you've kind of created this the ability to do things that really you need these kind of restrictions almost to kind of go. You can't do that. Yeah, you, know, you need to be near it with the ship to be able to beam to that planet. Not the fact you can beam from one system to another, and you know so. It's great, it gets them out of that plot hole, but it also means in the future now you have to sort of allow for this. Yes. Because then you've got to go, well, why don't they just use that again? Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. So I feel like it's, got, it's a two double edged sword, that one. Um, it is a little throwback to Star Trek Four when Scotty himself gives the formula for transparent yes. aluminum. Or aluminium <laughs> to uh, to the guy who invents it in, in the eighties. Um, so that was kind of nice. Um, I just wanted to quickly point out that yeah, I thought this is probably the last of a golden reboot trilogy, or starting with Batman Begins, yep. uh, Casino Royale, yep. and then basically at two year intervals because this would have been two thousand eight uh, with yep. Star Trek, and they are like the A grade versions of like yeah, they're things. amazing. They're almost my, my favourites in the franchise. Yeah, 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 and. Um, but since then, you know, nobody seemed to have followed this they example. Yeah, they've read off it. some like reboots that have happened since. Ooh. But Fantastic Four, 
Oh, Amazing Spider-Man, Evil oh. Dead, Man of Steel, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, <laughs> Ghostbusters, Godzilla, Robocop, Terminator Genesis, Nightmare on the Street, and Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel that so Matt and I would no probably leap to the defence of Godzilla. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you, you, you banged to rights on Terminator Genesis, though. Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that really shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but the, the, Went the back in time and shit someone else. <laughs> The more successful reboots have been what is called now is this new version of it called soft reboots, where you mm. are essentially doing a sequel, but legacy calls, yeah, yeah. So it's Jurassic World has like made shit tons yep. of money based mm, on yeah. that. Yeah. Creed, Creed, oh Creed, because it's like it's, it's essentially is Rocky, but it's not. It's, yeah. it's doing no. a new. It's character. in the same yeah. universe. Yeah. Yeah. It is a sequel, but it's different focus, and yeah. the yeah, old character is a side character. Yeah. So. Yes, and then Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. 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 Oh no, completely. Yeah. So that's that's also the new breed. The, um, the legacy call I'm really fascinated by, and all those example. Well, yeah, Creed and Force Awakens, brilliant examples. Um, and uh, it's what me and Liam often say. That's what they should could have done with Ghostbusters as well. If they had just yes. mm. done what they'd done with the new cast, but had a new story where everything else existed, and the old yeah, Ghostbusters happen, were yeah, yeah. 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 because they've been the mentors because yeah. they kind of tried to do a reboot, so it was all new, but they tried to tell the same kind of story, and it's just and had that's, cameos that's the compromise. Sort of like yeah. I really found that a bit. The, the cameos of like Bill Murray and and well, his particularly was mean spirited, doesn't it? Well, it, it just vile. they were playing mm. people that anyone could have played, yes. and it was just like no, it's just oh, a wink, on. like uh, yeah. and Ackroyd's is positively embarrassing. Yeah, I, yeah, and, stuff like. and it is that thing of going, and I do think much as don't get me wrong, like I don't want to pander to all the misogynists out there. I find them loathsome, but I do think that a lot of those guys would have been. A, a bit happier, at least, if those characters had been there. I don't think that ever happened. To usher, to usher, <laughs> to usher. Well, yeah, as a to usher things a lot. And I think we're, 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 I think we're, say, we're not doing it to pander to these people. We're doing it because it would have made a better film. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Exactly. Right. exactly right. Yeah. And it would have made such a better movie. But yeah, I do think the way Spock is used in this is really good, though. And I, I do think Nimoy is just. Pure class. Yeah. yeah. The little scene yeah. at the end between the two Spocks is. Oh, that great. cracks me up, that scene, so much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, uh, it's one of those things where our, you know, um, Quinto Spock is being like, I should uh, leave Starfleet to come help rebuild our. Our race and and like old Spock is no 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 you you stay in Starfleet I'll I'll get with the rebuilding of the race <laughs> I mean yeah, I I'll get with the loving you get with the exploring <laughs> five thousand Vulcan babes <laughs> one thing that I thought really connects Kirk and Spock um, I presume this is deliberate is the fact that they both lose parents to Nero. Because mm. um, obviously Nero is responsible course, for yeah. his father's death, yeah. um, and he's responsible for Scott's mother's death. Uh, yeah. So for me, that kind well, of connects yeah. them, and also kind of justifies Kirk's like you know a, attack on him to elicit the emotional response because Spock just does it to him in the uh, seminar. Doesn't yeah. it? it's like wasn't your own father killed? Yes. You know, and you yes. know, he's not invoking emotion; just like stating the facts. But he, he doesn't realise how much effect mm. that's having on Kirk. Mm. You know, at that moment, he's I don't know. I wonder whether he. Do- I think that Spock well, he's has enough to realise what he's saying. Yeah, I, I think he's he's human enough 
to, to know, know what that doing, actually that is. Because I, I can turn on my Balkan side and be like, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, because he's he's he I think his ego's bruised because his 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 little simulation was like broken by. A, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, and I think like, yeah. it is a little dig, and I think he has that. Um, uh, you know the he has that excuse effectively of being like I am just stating facts like <laughs> no Spock you're being a dick <laughs> like I think it's I think they are both of them like I think the other thing that connects them is they're both arrogant in their own way like in different like I feel like Kirk is like a fiery arrogance mm. and a very cocky like extroverted arrogance almost whereas Spock uh, especially when he like I think the bit that makes me feel like he has a different kind of arrogance is when he maroons um, Kirk on that planet because it's like I will not have dissent in my yeah it is it's really it is he almost dies but also and it's yeah it is and it's also proof already that he's lost his control of his emotions because it's like he broke the rules then by marooning him in contraveness of like yeah uh, of unconscious yeah, contravening some order, isn't it? Like yes. Kirk's definitely once if he survives getting eaten, he's gonna lose a lot of complaints. Exactly. I think like that shows a kind of cold arrogance. Like I will mm. not, you I'm know. Um, so this was the largest, uh, what highest grossing Trek film in the US and Canada ever. Good. Wow. Uh, this point, um, so, so so yeah. The uh, uh, it was one of those points I loved it so much. I was like, please do well because it, it would be such a shame if you felt like. Oh yeah. And it was just like it was one of the few films I followed the grosses for. I'm very sad. Like, <laughs> you are a fun guy. Oh, fun guy. <laughs> yeah, but just like because I really wanted them to sort of greenlight sequel. I thought you know, yeah. please let's not be like a missed opportunity to uh, to carry on the track. But mm. here at Stat Track, we encourage uh, such behaviour, of course. <laughs> the budget for this film was 150 million, uh, which by today's standards for a modern uh, giant blockbuster like this doesn't seem uh, huge but it's, it's pretty big pretty big the thing is they could release it now but it's still probably a bunch you know bunch yeah, right. yeah definitely um, and also a far far bigger budget than any Trek film previously even adjusted for inflation yeah um, so you know this was really putting some power behind the Trek name and franchise uh, for well, the first time in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, really try to push it hard and go, this is like a new thing. Um, so it's a big risk in uh, many ways, but it completely paid off. I guess, like you said, that, that Roberto, Orchi and Alex Kurtzman script is excellent. Yeah. And, you know, I think once they read that, they probably knew uh, that they were safe putting this money into it. And yeah, paid off dividends, box office of 385.7 million. Um, so more than double its money back, which is what you want to do. Um, <laughs> and it did very well. And critically, uh, it was absolutely acclaimed, currently holds 95% on Rotten Tomatoes and, you know, was really lauded by critics in general. Um, you know, I, I understand the I think hard, some hardcore Trekkies um, did have issues with it, but I I always got the impression that really um, with this film at least that some of the a lot of the hardcore Trekkies were quite won over by it, um, you know, and then maybe they kind well, of the, well, the later films got their eye on the a bit premiere more. for this film took place in a very interesting way. It was at this uh, yeah a screening of Rathcan, a new digital print of it. Packed full of like Trek fans. I mean, through and through, love Trek Two. 
and uh, and they basically had to simulate it, the film breaking on the on the digital print to make it look like the film broke after like five minutes, and then you know the lights come up, people are just annoyed. It's like we'll get it back in a moment, but then Alan walks the st- onto the stage. Is Leonard Nimoy carrying some cans, film cans, and he just says, you know, I'm sorry about the objective, but you know, I do have the new Star Trek film with me right here. <laughs> and, and, That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and, well, he's wearing a baseball cap, and it's like, and he takes it off to reveal it's Leonard Nimoy. How go wild, and then they put it on, and the, you know, everybody loves it. But there was some talk back afterwards, and it's always one to voice goes, oh, I just wanted to watch Raph of Khan, and I was, it was taken from me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, what he actually said was, uh, wouldn't you rather see the new movie? To the fact, and I People can't go, imagine, no. Like, no, not that travesty. Quickly, get my girl back on. And here it has been cancelled. <laughs> Perhaps. On to scores, or are there any final points? My, my last thing I was going to say was I really like the last moment with old Spock where he turns and like whispers wistfully like thrusters on full oh, right before yeah. they go off because he's finally saying he's remembering he's saying goodbye to journey and they're going off and on it's a really nice ending uh, I mean I do think it is lovely him doing the captain's log kind yeah. of speech yeah, it's yeah. really nice although you can bet when Shatner saw that he must <laughs> have like, so ah! he was like you the captain I and the captain <laughs> he must have been so annoyed well, much like the, well, they showed Shatner on a talk show and he, and he said oh have you seen the trailer well, we've got it right here to show you and it just it's something very weird about watching Shatner watch a trailer which is not really about him or <laughs> him and just uh, but his open mouth like red faced because he's just you know old like yeah. <laughs> he's, angry, he's just you know. drooling he's very, he's very blotchy in that, in that clip if I recall but yeah it's, look up YouTube <laughs> come on the show will you <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do hope they bring him back at some point. I do. I, uh, I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, well, they, they can they can do very good digital young people. Yeah. <laughs> Scores. Yeah. I don't know. If you go first, would you would you give this out of ten? Uh, oh, out of ten, I. Um, you can give decimal points. Yeah, what we do exact. I guess uh, I'd go with um, eight. Eight out of ten? Okay. Or is that really high? Or is that no, really no, no, like that's too perfectly, much? That's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. Exactly. Go two points off for like rapey Kirk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sex, sex pest Kirk. Any far thoughts on it or? Um, yeah, I think like my because I know I said earlier like the cynic in me is this is just a story of the the rise of uh, the mediocre white man, but the optimist in me is is it's a really like you come away from it being like. Yeah, it's a story of of friendship and how, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, your true friendships, like the ones that have genuine trust and genuine respect, like they are relationships that make you both better people. And because that's the the beauty Mm -hmm. of such a famous pairing as, as Kirk and Spock is that they round each other out. That's a really, you know, that's a timeless, yeah. and if beautiful story. If it's destined to happen, it will happen. And yeah. I, I've got one last question for you, Eleanor. It's like, so this was your moment of just sort of enjoying Trek. You come out of it, you're, you're pretty pumped. And like, yeah. in the intervening sort of 
uh, eight years since this. Yes. Where, what do you what are your thoughts on mm. Trek now? I mean, yeah, how much of Trek fan? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, could, could, do you feel like it's fulfilled its promise of like rebooting that, or is it kind of dropped the ball it, overall? I yeah, I because I remember uh, like sitting in the cinema watching this for the first time, and you know having that you know end shot and then directed by JJ Abrams, like and being genuinely feeling blown away, genuinely feeling like wow that completely impressed me and changed my mind and I, I I get why this has such a huge following and the fans that it does. Um, I can't say that the other, because I, I, I've not even seen the You've third film. You've not seen film. Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, no, like I've, seen, seen, I've seen Into Darkness and I, I Into Darkness did not do it for me even though it had Benedict Cumberbatch which you know is really saying something like <laughs> it just didn't yeah I think uh, uh, yeah so I, I, it's kind so of dropped we'll, the ball for me yeah that's just interesting to say kind of like as that complete newbie to it just what you feel like it's done with the promise mm. of Star Trek since then yeah but we just have to be potentially yeah. happy that there was one good film in there yeah there, uh, there is one so, that I yeah would you uh, be interested in checking out the new show which of course has female leads and uh, a whole like new angle on everything it's not just another Kirk and Spock possibly setup. possibly I mean yeah it depends I'll watch a trailer <laughs> and I'll okay, see what I feel after that. Yeah, true. Uh, okay, um, cool. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to give this one a 9.5. Ooh. Yeah, very high one for me. That's your highest score, yeah. And I think it's like you could easily, you know, one day, yeah, with, with this and Rafa Khan, I think, depending on what I've just watched, I have the, the, right. the post watch high and I could switch positions but I'm going to say after this one watching it again I just for the, the second half of the film I did not take any notes because I was enjoying it so much mm. and I just kind of just got taken back to how good it was in the first place it's perfectly well-oiled machine I feel like the way the script's laid out the way it pays off it's very Spielbergian uh, early Spielbergian yeah. movie, and I think it just cemented Abrams as a new force in directing action because I think yeah the Orchi and the, and the Kurtzman are there but I thought Abrams knows how to kind of keep ratcheting up like the excitement and keeping people on the edge of their seats the whole way through and it is a roller coaster ride you know and he followed it up with like Cloverfield or no Cloverfield was Super like Max Reeves well yeah, 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 yeah but he's it's basically yes, his yeah, yeah. guys essentially yeah. isn't it so um, alluding to the fact that Spielberg directed guys, uh, but not credit for it um, uh, apologies to Matt Reeves who I do think is a very good uh, filmmaker I love Dawn of the Planet of the Apes yeah Dawn of the Planet of the Apes hype <laughs> Like yeah, uh, yeah but yeah, no. I put, yeah, for me, this was just taking the promise of like MI3, and then he's, he's relaunched his franchise. I was really excited for it, and was not disappointed at all. It lived up to those amazing trailers. Would you say that a force was awoken? <laughs> I think. Well, no, it's a thing we can say we can come back to Into Darkness next time. But I was worried for Force Awakens because of Into Darkness. Right. And okay. So well, we'll we'll see what happens when we reevaluate that movie, Matt. Yeah. No, I agree, with Paul. I think this is a really this is this is probably for me the best example of how to reboot a franchise. I mean, they've kind of got it on a plate that they're operating in a universe where you can have in canon reasons as to how and why, like black holes and time travel, it makes sense. And But just the choices they made felt so key and so right to putting, to giving you a lot of nostalgia, but putting everything on a brand new track. I mean, this really felt like a film that would bring in new and old, which I think was so important. And, and yeah, coming off of MI3, where JJ does the same kind of thing, which is really just 
he's great at propulsive storytelling, just like cause and effect, one thing to the other, always going up. So MI3 opening with kind of that really high point of tension that happens later in the film. He just he does the same thing here with this opening. It just gets you right in, he grabs you by the by the throat. And um yeah, I think the cast is great. They really work well together. They they, you know, some more than others are really great at kind of aping their old characters, but they feel like the characters on a new path. And the, the design's incredible, the sound's incredible, the score's great. I really love it, and I think it's really, really punchy. Uh, so I give it 9.4 out of 10, which is my highest. Wow, and, okay. You know, I, I, I like it just as much as Paul, maybe even more, but I'm not going up on my score just because, I don't know, I'm trying to keep... I don't know, to get 10 out of 10 would be crazy something. Yeah, something would have to be crazy. Yeah, so, it would be crazy for something that came from the Star Trek universe to get 10 out of 10. I mean, movies in general. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> First Academy Award winning Trek film, Best Makeup. Ah, yeah. Why so, did you never win anything for visual effects before? No. Oh, you no, of course not. Do you see the effects of the crazy, crazy, crazy that it lost that same award to Suicide Squad. Uh, last year. Oh, a travesty. Uh, uh, so yeah, 9.4 <laughs> out of 10 for me. Okay, um, so it's over to me. Interesting one. Um, I do love this movie. I do. Uh, I think all of the kind of elements are just, you know, beautifully put together. And I do think it is, you know, uh, just about alongside with things like Batman Begins and Casino Royale, j- just about the best kind of example of reboot you can get. Uh, for something I do think it's a fantastic film incredibly entertaining I remember when I saw it in cinema it kind of I felt like an eight year old kid again watching uh, a blockbuster in the cinema uh, how right. you exactly felt like that yeah how you for you, you get that thing where you know, I've often talked about um, seeing films when you were younger and just thinking they were great um, because you were because you were younger like Batman and Robin 10 out of 10 uh, <laughs> but, and then later seeing them being disappointed but this was a case of me already being older and seeing a film but feel, getting that feeling yeah. um, and you know I remember it getting towards the finale um, and just thinking wow I, I, I'm there and just being completely sucked into it. it it was like Lost in Space all over again I had that in a good way it's like this is the thing I was denying because I had to you know I the ages I missed the Star Wars trilogy as it first came out I would have yeah. discovered it on video and that's diminished you know mm. uh, that effect so you know at the right age I would have been watching the prequels yeah. they did not measure right. up but then you had this I felt like I was that eight year old kid and this is exactly what, yeah, because it was essentially Star Wars with the Star Trek universe yes we were, yeah. we were all yeah. early to mid 20s weren't we yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I say just it rolled back the years for me. I was so excited and particularly yeah like you say going to the last quarter where the stakes have been set up and you, mm. the characters are all coming together and start to act like as a team you know you really really into it yeah completely uh, so I do think it's a, a fantastically made uh, film pretty much on every level um, I do think it's a fantastic reboot however my opinion of it has I mean I literally ever so slightly chopped because before in my head this was an absolute rock solid five star um, you know I really it was my favourite Czech film um, definitely and you know I didn't think any any of the others touched it even and thought wow almost like because I certainly was no trackie I was like this is my Star Trek now which is why um, you know I've been quite disappointed um, with the following Trek films but you know as always 
with this, and this, this is a perfect example of this, we will reevaluate as we go on um, with our further episodes. Because watching this again, straight after watching the initial 10 classic track films, it did make uh, my appreciation go down ever so slightly, ever so slightly, because I watched it and I, I could finally see why some hardcore trackies, much as I disagree with them, in the sense of I think it's a brilliant film and stuff like that, I can see why they have certain issues. And things like, I think Chris Pine's Kirk is kind of the perfect example, because while I think Matt, you made a brilliant argument about the fact that, you know, the, the timeline's split, so essentially he becomes a different character because he's the one who that affects the most. Mm. And I do think that's a you know brilliant point, but it doesn't stop the fact that he does seem like a different character. I don't think he seems particularly like Shatner's Kirk, and much as you wouldn't want an exact replication, uh, I think he does seem actually quite far away uh, from the Kirk we know and love. And I really have come to love that character watching um, these films for Spotlight. Um, and because of reasons like that, it just ever so slightly uh, dropped for me. Um, but I mean, literally, I would give it an 8.9. So it's still incredibly high. I still think it's a fantastic movie. Um, but watching these movies again has given me a great appreciation for the Trek universe and its lore. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, th this isn't actually my favourite Trek film anymore. I actually prefer Star Trek First Contact. Um, you know, I actually like prefer that as a as a film, um, but I do I still love this movie. I still think it's fantastic on every level. Um, like you've all said, like the music, the effects, the costumes, the performances, uh, just everything is at top level. So it's only just slipping in at second position. But yeah, eight point nine for me. Mm. Okay. Well, in order to wrap up, Matt's going to take us out today, but we just stopped by Eleanor one last time to uh, just check on hey. your address for your Instagram account. Yeah, wait, yeah. Okay. so it'll be at a woman watches film on Instagram. Instagram. Instagram, <laughs> okay. That is Instagram. <laughs> Go and check it out. It's, it's really good. Um, give it a follow. And there's lots of great reviews on there. And you update it pretty regularly, yeah. uh, I believe. Um, Usually. Are you, are you going to uh, listen back to this episode, transcribe it, and post your review of Star Trek? There, there's over there, about 10 photos. <laughs> there will not be enough room. Yeah, I'd have to like have parts. Yeah. But uh, no, I will oh, not do that. Also, I want to ask you just one other thing, and I think it's going to be a, a reasonably short and succinct answer. <laughs> Watching this film in 2009 and loving it so much, um, did you not think, right, now I want to go and explore the rest of the classic Trek films or even the TV series off the back of this? No. Okay. <laughs> and with that, we are out. Uh, but first, you know, just like to say, as per usual, you can find us on all levels of social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Matt. Oh, on Twitter and Instagram, we're at Spotlight Pod. Um, you can search for us on Facebook as well. We've got a page in there. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You can also write us a email. Uh, at spotlightpod at gmail.com uh, as well if you really like to hear your views on this one in particular I mean whether you be uh, someone who's new to Trek or an old school Trekkie and kind of those differing opinions of why uh, you think this works as a reboot or 
doesn't. Uh, yeah, we're very interested in seeing uh, who comes on to this show, Spotlight, and when. Like when we started doing the Picard era, we thought maybe there are people who will come in on this. It'd be very interesting to, interested to hear if anybody has no interest in the old ones but this is their Star Trek like, yeah, much like it maybe. was mine and if they've come into this episode on this you know would you go back and listen to others or watch the old films um, yeah. do 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 it we are we are set up like a book club for the movie so yeah I mean basically obviously Eleanor made the wrong choice of not going back and exploring <laughs> the earlier films so you can write her wrong <laughs> we did and universe uh, Eleanor <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. we just need to split off into the Kelvin universe now and, uh, listen to those previous ten episodes um, you know usually what we recommend is watching the film then coming back and listening to the episode as we do usually spoil the fuck out of these movies you can find us on iTunes Podbean and lots of other um, podcast uh, sources I'm sure and if you could uh, give us a review on iTunes we not only really appreciate it but it's really cool to see your thoughts um, and everything like that and, and it helps bump us up charts yeah, it does, I believe like, if we go yeah, that. helps that's bump what I always only if you get five star reviews people so you know we don't want to see any more reviews <laughs> <laughs> definitely subscribe to the show on iTunes as well that also um, helps I mean but the most important thing is that you're listening and if you could recommend it uh, to your friend if you've got a friend who likes Star Trek and they haven't listened to this podcast just grab their iPhone hit subscribe for them on Spotlight and you'll be doing them the biggest favour so yeah join us uh, next month where we will we'll tackle the somewhat controversial Star Trek Into Darkness JJ's second film and we'll be joined by another female guest Ooh, wow no longer a sausage man <laughs> <laughs> until then Farewell. I'm Matt Brothers. I'm Liam Dempsey. I've been Paul Wilson. I'm Eleanor. Goodbye. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs>